everybody. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining me on this another episode of Down to Earth with Harriet Kamek. Thanks so much. It's Sunday morning and it is Sunday, the 24th of May, and I can't believe that it is Memorial Day during a pandemic. Hi, happy Sunday and happy Memorial Day weekend to those of us who find ourselves on this side of heaven so much so that we can actually go out and celebrate. I was out and about yesterday and I was just as shocked as everyone else to see folks out and about without a mask on. Folks, we're still in a pandemic. Please continue to social distance and take precautions because the virus is not yet over. I know we want to go back to life as much as possible and go back to normalcy quickly and forget that this ever happened but that's not the likely scenario so <laughs> i was just as shocked as everybody else people were out mingling and high-fiving and doing as much as they can and i know that today and tomorrow people are out on their boats and going boating and uh hopefully social distancing when they're they're done uh sailing and gather at the local watering holes <laughs> i don't know how that's gonna work because i think all of us are just trying to get back to normal, trying to resume some level of what we call normal life. So I wish you well. But today is Sunday, and typically on a Sunday we talk about faith and its influence on our lives. And today we're going to talk about why the silence. It's Sunday morning, and typically on a Sunday most of us are found in places of worship if you're a Christian. Naturally, if you, oppositely, if you are uh, if you are a Jew, you would be in a, in a, in a, in a temple on yesterday and if you are islam you would have been on friday in a temp in a mosque and you would have done that friday and you would have done that on wednesday as well but we're all united by this one common belief that there is one god and that there is one outcome there is one creator and so today as we look up onto the hills from whence cometh our help as we look to god to provide us with the answers to our dilemma whether our dilemma be personal or whether our dilemma is national, in this case, pandemic, it's global, whatever our dilemma might be, as we look up onto the hills, from whence cometh our help, our help, we know, does cometh from the Lord. So join me this morning as we explore the scriptures for an answer into why the pandemic, why are we going through this? Why does it seem as if this is happening and there is no stopping to it uh, just when we thought that we could uh we could get better just when we thought that there was an answer here we go <laughs> there is no answer just when we thought it was going to stop we're learning new things but as the scripture says the scripture says that the just shall live by faith and as we explore the scriptures this morning to provide us with an answer as to why why do these things happen? Why do we find ourselves in need of the mercies of God? Why do we seem to be in need of God's mercy, but he's not answering? Why is he not answering our prayers? We thought the pandemic was over, but here we are nonetheless, still living, finding ourselves wanting at least God to answer. So today, we're going to explore the scriptures just a little bit. And if you will, just turn with me to the book of Habakkuk. H, I know that's hard to say, but it's 
for those of us who are familiar with the scriptures, it's not. It's in the Old Testament. It's Habakkuk, H-A-B-A-K-K-U-K. Habakkuk chapter 2, and we're going to read what the Lord says. We're going to find our answer, and I guarantee you today there is an answer. And uh, uh, it's, it's, it, it's kind of interesting because it's the most... Uh, it's the most, uh, uh, it's a well-known scripture that uh, allows us to, uh, to, uh, to, to, uh, to do this. And uh, it's, it's a very well-known scripture. It's, it's, it's almost, we can repeat it almost verbatim for most of us. And uh, I want to just explore it in just a few minutes for those who are just joining me on other platforms. Uh, it's Habakkuk chapter 2, and my concentration this morning is found at the very end of it. But here's what it says in the first verse. It says, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. That's how it starts. And of course, the most popular verse in it, it says, and the just shall live by faith. It says in verse 4, Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. And it goes on to say, Woe to the wicked. Indeed, because he transgresses by wine, he's a proud man, and he does not stay at home. Uh, you know, it's interesting to me as you read the scriptures to find out how the scriptures connect with our everyday life. <laughs> Imagine this is talking to a man who is unfaithful. He does not stay at home because he enlarges his desire as hell. And he's like death and cannot be satisfied. It just tells all of us that we need to watch what we do. We won't stay at home because our desires are such he cannot be satisfied. He gathers to himself all nations and heaps up for himself all peoples. You can interpret that as you will. Will not all these take up a proverb against him and a taunting riddle against him and say, Woe to him who increases what is not his, how long? And to him who loads himself with many pledges, will not your creditors rise up suddenly? Will they not awaken who oppress you and you will become their booty because you have plundered many nations? I'm reading the scriptures. This is what it says. All the remnant of the people shall plunder you because of men's blood. And the violence of the land and the city, and of all who dwell in it. I, I kid you not, guys. I'm reading the scriptures. <laughs> and it goes on to talk about who is the wicked. Woe to him who gives drink to his neighbor. Woe to him who builds a town with bloodshed. For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God, as the waters cover the sea. You give shameful counsel to your house, cutting off many peoples, and sin against your soul. For the stone will cry out from the wall, and the beam from the timbers will answer it. You are filled with shame instead of glory, and also drink, and you will be exposed as uncircumcised. You know what that means. It's, it's a religious uh, impartation. But I am the Lord, but the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. So after God has described all this stuff and described all the wickedness that we have done and all the stuff that we have done he said i am the lord i'm in my holy temple 
and the earth shall keep silence. It's kind of interesting to me. That I, I, you know, Father, let us be hearers and doers of the word. And let us meditate on what the scriptures have to say and what the Spirit has to say to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. I pray that you take something away from this. But it, and it's important to do so because we live in a time when so much is happening. We're in the midst of a pandemic. And in the midst of a pandemic, Midland, Michigan, the middle in right smack in the middle of Michigan, experienced a 500-year flood event. The area, the geography of that area, even though the state of Michigan did not formally exist, as a constitutionally state by the United States did not exist 500 years ago. The land existed. There were people who lived there 500 years ago. They may not have been all white and black in Michigan, but there were still people who lived in this part of the world, right? 500 years ago was the last time that area flooded. In the midst of a pandemic, it flooded again. And people are left like, I am devastated economically. People, an entire lake emptied in an hour, right? It was the most fantastic thing that any of us in living memory can see. An entire lake emptied in an hour. Just imagine that a 2,000 acre lake, it was 30 point something billion cubic feet per second, per feet of water that emptied per second, that an entire lake emptied in an hour. I think we still are wrapping our minds around that because it's something we can't think about. It, it's something that I don't want to think about because I'm here thinking about the Detroit River and I'm thinking about Lake Erie. <laughs> Anybody else? Lake Superior, Lake Michigan. And I'm like, I don't think I want those lakes to be emptied anywhere near where I am at any time. And yet an entire lake emptied in an hour in the midst of a pandemic. And the people must be asking, where is God? We were, they were economically devastated because of the pandemic. There was no travel. Everything was shut down. Small businesses have evaporated. There are many small businesses who will not restart after this. They simply will not be able to restart. They had a momentum. The momentum left and they can't restart. There are many small churches that will never recover. Because once people became used to and got used to streaming services, they're not, they're not likely to change that habit because it's comfortable. It's okay with God, but it's not okay with the folks who own those facilities. There are some businesses that will never go back to normal. Small businesses that were dependent on others, cleaning services, because offices might not be the same as they were before. Most offices today are probably going to provide their employees with technical equipment to work from home because it's cheaper to invest in technology than it is to pay people to come in and pay for the space, to come in and pay for the water and the food and everything else that goes into it. So our work environments have changed and the people are saying, what happened here? Where is God? But I just want to read some stuff to you that when this happened on Wednesday, because the flood took us all by surprise. I didn't know there was a flood. You didn't know there could have been a flood. And we all were just sitting back. Hey, we all were just sitting back and just pondering what our next steps are as we watch the economy reopen, realizing that we're nowhere near ready realizing that people are going back to work and there's still no vaccine for this virus that is a runaway hit. This virus has completely decimated 
minority communities across the country. There is no vaccine, but they're rushing to reopen the economy because billionaires want to continue to make money. Billionaires are only interested in themselves. Meanwhile, the people are suffering. People had to go back to the plants to work. Even though there were employees who tested positive, one employee said she was threatened to be fired if they didn't go back to work. She tested positive the next day. Because billionaires want the economy, the engine to keep going. And you say to yourself, well, Harriet, I didn't have a choice. If I didn't go back, I wouldn't have a job. They wouldn't pay unemployment and I would have nothing. Yes, you're right. You're absolutely right. If you didn't go back, they would have. But what is God trying to tell us during this time? I think it's time for us to sit back just a little bit. During the pandemic, we were taken off guard. We didn't know what to expect. We were glued to our television sets as they provided us with updates about what's happening here, what is happening there, and its likely impact. During the pandemic, we became more aware that there is more racism than we thought existed. We realized that there's racism in healthcare. We realized that people were mistreated because of the color of their skin and their ethnicity, and maybe perhaps died when they shouldn't have died. These are likely scenarios that emerging out of the pandemic we're going to have to deal with. Then we realized that we live in a state where, in Michigan, where blacks are only 14% of the population. Some areas recorded as 15%, but realistically, blacks are not 50% of the population of Michigan. However, we are 40% of the number of cases who have died. That's extremely high. So people in Northern Michigan and Mid-Michigan and Western Michigan said, well, since the virus is not affecting us. Why should we be on lockdown? Open our state. Open this part of the state up so our economies can resume. And the rest of us were like, excuse me? Well, it's happening to them. It's happening to the blacks down in Detroit. Let them deal with it. It's not affecting us. So they marched on Lansing with their swastikas and their con Confederate flags that remind us all of the trauma of 400 years of, of sexual violence, 400 years of economic balance. They didn't care about our sensitivity. They didn't care that there was pain attached. They didn't care what the residue of the 400 years of enslavement have done. They cared only about their own lives continuing. So they marched. Then they went back to their communities put their hands up, sat on their recliners, and said, well, I serve the true and living God. I want my church to be opened. I'm going to sue for my constitutional right to operate a church because it's happening to the blacks down in Detroit. It's happening to them, the least of these, the people who are forgotten, the people whose ancestors for 400 years were treated like slaves. The people for 400 years, their ancestors, were beaten and robbed and human trafficked to a land that is not theirs. Yet, yet, put your hands up, put your feet up, because this is your part of the world. And as long as the virus isn't coming up here, they can keep that stuff down in Detroit. They can keep that stuff down in Southeast Michigan. They can keep it there. Don't bring it up here. And so they sat back. Last Sunday, I talked about this. 
And I asked the question, why the silence? I said, God is speaking. And I did not know what was going to happen. I remember saying that I don't know what's going to happen this week. But something is going to happen that is going to make us question, where is God? Because when you look at it, these are the same people who are suing to have their churches reopened. They're suing so they can go get a haircut. Right? And they don't care. They're ignorant. And they really do not care that there were people, 15, almost 1,500 people died in Detroit from the coronavirus. Not because they're bad people. But historically, these are the people whose ancestors were economically deprived. These are the people for who live in places and who have had lifetime issues associated with air pollution. These are the people who have had systemic, institutionalized, oppressive economic policies that have been violent in its execution, that have controlled their lives and robbed them of the right to live as a normal free person. They don't have access to good health care. If they did, there's no way a 63-year-old woman with symptoms of the coronavirus could drive to a hospital where she worked and she was turned away and ended up dying at home. If she were a 63-year-old white woman, she would not have died. That's the fact. And the medical system, the healthcare system, at some point needs to be held accountable for their continued entrenchment of oppressive racism within their ranks at some point. And here are people in mid-Michigan sitting back. That's their problem. It's not ours. We just want our lives to continue. We want to be able to go to our vacation homes and our summer homes. We want to be able to get on with life. I said this last Sunday. Why the silence? Here we are again this week asking the same question. Why the silence? And the Lord says, I am in my holy temple. Let me hear what the earth has to say. He listed a whole set of things that have gone wrong. And do we pay attention? No. Because we say that we are holy and righteous. The same people who are saying, I don't care about those folks in Detroit. That's their problem. Let them deal with that. Are the same people who go into church and lift up holy hands and say, hallelujah, I'm a Christian. These are the same people whose ancestors raped and pillaged and took black people from Africa and brought them to the New World, to the Americas, to be enslaved, to be chained and beaten in fields. These are the same folks. Their ancestors heaped up all coals on their heads. So if they found themselves on Wednesday morning, on Tuesday, waking up to realize that the dam was about to break and everything that they valued and all their earthly and worldly possessions were washed away in a flood, it should not be a surprise. You had one event in 500 years. Black people have been having a daily event for the last 400 years. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You were sitting up there while people were dropping in Detroit, going from hospital to hospital, could not find help, could not be tested. People were dying on ventilators. They didn't even clean the ventilators. They took the same ventilator off that dying person, shoved it into the nose of the other person, just transmitting the virus over and over and over again. And you were sitting up there saying, it's not my problem. You had one event in 500 years. Are you going to complain and say, well, where is God? 
I don't know what's next. Locust? Is it going to be a tornado next? You ain't seen nothing yet. The earth is not done. God is not done yet. 400 years. Somebody has to pay for that. And nobody, listen to me clear, clearly, nobody's going to like this. Nobody is going to like how this sounds. Nobody is going to accept this because nobody wants to think because the messaging over the last 400 years is God is a God of love. God does not exact vengeance. He's not a God of vengeance. Who are you kidding? Have you ever read the Bible? When people say things like that, it makes me wonder, have you read the Bible? Did you not just hear me read Habakkuk chapter 2? Did God just not outline, behold the proud? Did he not just say, behold the wicked? Woe unto him. Woe unto him. Did you not just hear that? So where do you get the idea that God God is not a God of revenge. Oh, you want to put God in a box. He's robotized. You wind him up. He's a wind-up toy. So you sell this idea that God sits like a grandfather. And he has long, waxy white hair. And he pulls his beard. And you wind him up. Oh, hello, God? Is that you? Okay, I need this done. Can you just do it? You didn't know that God was watching for 400 years. While these ancestors, these descendants in Detroit, these very same people in Detroit, their ancestors were beaten. God was there watching your ancestors beat them. God was watching your ancestors rape their great-great-great-grandmothers and, and sodomized their great-great-great-grandfathers. God was watching as their blood spilled into the earth God was watching when women were bleeding from their vaginas and still had to nurse children and still had to stand up and cook food for Martha. God was watching all of that. God was watching through Jim Crow when black people were lynched and placed on a tree, hung high up on a tree and made fun of and pillaged like a piñata, boom, 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 with gunshots. And then you cleaned yourselves up and called yourselves new age and said, no, I had nothing to do with that. Are you lying to yourselves or who are you kidding? Then you marched on and it was proven when a pandemic happened. Let us hear it. So a governor decided that she doesn't want to be sued because she's the governor of the entire state. So she locked down the whole state. She didn't lock down Detroit because she likes Detroit. She locked down the whole state so the virus wouldn't spread throughout the state. It wasn't because she favored Detroit. She's not a nigger lover. She just locked down the state because she didn't want to be sued. It was her constitutional job. And she did it. So the other said, well, look at her. She's showing favor to them. She's doing all this stuff for them. But she wants to tell me what to do. No. It's about time you get told what to do. 400 years and all of it happened and in one hour everything that you held dear was gone and you're crying and you're like where is God where was God when your ancestors were beating and killing those people where was God when we had to have affirmative action so people could get into schools, where was God when they had to bus people into communities because the white schools were better than white and black high schools? Where was God then? Did you call on God then? Did you think it was unjust? Did you think that God was, 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 was just sitting there like a grandfather, authorizing everything you did? You marched up in Lansing to remind us. 
that you had the power. The Confederate flag is a symbol of white supremacy. Let's just be clear. Swastikas are a symbol of white hatred on people of color. Come on now. You brought nooses into the Capitol while a black lieutenant governor is residing and sitting in the capital of Michigan. And you thought that God disappeared. And the rest of us are just going to be humbled and sit down under a tree and hide in the face of your power and your alleged supremacy. We're talking about God now. God sat back and did this. And he got up off his throne and he walked and paced the floor. And he had a few words to say. Who do you think I am? Am I not God? Do I not level the playing field? Does the rain not fall on the just and the unjust? Did you think you were justified because you are white? Oh, so my son Jesus Christ was of Middle Eastern ethnicity. What does that sound like? So you think that God is only the God of white people, but not the God of Africans and descendants of Africans, not the God of Chinese, not the God of Koreans and Japanese and Indians and Pakistanis and Afghanistan. You think that God is only the God of white people. That's why you can feel so emboldened to stand up in your pulpits and declare every Sunday, Oh, God is a God of justice because you felt 400 years you had that power. So, of course, you're going to feel like that. And you thought this script would never be flipped, that this script would never turn around. You thought that black people all the time when they see you should bow before you. You thought that black people should always revert in a corner and never speak up. You thought you could put a man away for 28 years for stealing some money. Meanwhile, your white counterparts are being forgiven by the Justice Department. Why? Because white is right and white is power and God is God of? I thought you tried to tell us that God loves all the people. Don't you remind us of John 3, 16 all the time? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten. Don't you go proselytizing and preaching that? Well, God has flipped the script on you now to practice that. Because the rain falls on the just, just like it falls on the rest of us. I am the just. I am justified by my faith. Everybody who believes on the Lord Jesus Christ is justified by faith. Everybody, the Bible says, the world and they that dwell therein. Go read Psalms 24. The people of the world belong to God. God loves all the people. He didn't just love white people. He loves black people, yellow people, red people, brown people. All the people of the world. If you're a human being, you are loved by God. That is the message of the gospel. That is the scriptures. Jesus came to save all of us, not just one. Not just one group of people. Didn't he not say that in the scriptures? If you read the New Testament... He came to the Jew first, then the Gentiles. That means all the people are brought in by this supreme love of God. And yet, you continue to enforce the wickedness of these policies. It's not just here in America, it's worldwide. Look at, look at South Africa. They exist in our system of apartheid. In fact, one of our richest guys, Elon Musk, his father earned his money under apartheid. His father enslaved black people to work in mines to make money. Go look it up. Elon Musk's father. 
he comes to America and clean it up and calls himself a billionaire, but in, in South Africa, his father had blood mines, diamond mines. This system of inequities is still continuing. But you still want us to believe that God only answers your prayers. I'm just going to tell you some stuff. The adversities that we have experienced. I'm a woman. I'm just going to insert myself into this story. Because I can't talk about you. But I can talk about me all day. And maybe you find something in my story. But I'm a black person. And I'm a woman. And I found myself in need of the mercy of God. Are you hearing me? But the messaging was such that God was only going to help those who were married. God was only going to help those who seemed to have a perfect life. I was married. I was beaten and abandoned. Well, it's kind of your fault. There were no resources, even when I turned to the church, to help me. I found myself in dire, desperate need with my two children standing and looking up onto the heavens and crying to God for help. There was no help from people around me. There was classism. I felt it. There was racism. I felt it. There was severe adversity, even from within my own family. They took all my clothes in November of 2016, the day before the, the, the general elections in 2016, ironically. They took all my clothes and left me without. And people made fun of me. The people around me made fun of me. It was, I was a laughingstock. They laughed at me. They made fun of it because they finally found me without what they thought. They thought clothes gave me power. Let me see what she's going to do now. Is she going to show up being powerful and confident now? I found myself in, I had nowhere to go to. I had no one to turn to. The world had dried up, no resources. I found that when I reached out to organizations that I had partnered with, there was a coldness that came from white people who ran these organizations. It's almost as if you find yourself in this because of your color. This happened to you because of your color. This happened to you because that's who you are. That's what happens to people like you. Did God not turn around and have to help me? God was watching me go through this. What was I going to do? I still went to church. I still praise God. I found myself where I still had to tell people how good God is, even though I was not experiencing goodness at that point. Now, let me ask you this. So you look at the society. I reached out to the community around me. And a white woman who had the power, she was given the money in a grant to give to me and four others. She held on to the money Gave us $2,500 out of $75,000. I called her out on it. She resigned. She, after she, she went, the organization who disbursed the funds to her eventually cut ties with her because of what she had done. Do you see what I'm saying? Did they not, was I not reproached because of my ethnicity? My daughter says this to me all the time. She says, Mom, with all that you have done and accomplished, if you were white, you would be on CNN, earning six figures, but instead disparaged against. And how many of us find ourselves in similar mode? You have three degrees. You are super qualified. A white person comes up who barely finished high school, 
maybe just maybe has a bachelor's let's just be clear let's be honest with ourselves and they are way ahead of you and you have three degrees including a doctoral degree you have many years of experience in the field but you don't get neither the pay nor the attention this is the inequities of the system you apply for a job black students black college graduates are graduating from college and can't find work and yet white people are their kids are graduating from high school and they're being placed in positions high school they won't even bother sometimes they don't even bother to cover up the the, the, the color prejudice that you see the prejudice and the bias sometimes they don't even bother covering it up y'all it's just as loud and as in your face as anything and I'm saying this and I'm asking all of us, how long do you think God was going to sit up there and not do anything about it? You had one event in 500 years and you're losing it? We deal with this every day. Every time you drive out, you're worried about the blue lights appearing behind you. Every time you go to do something, you have to worry that the first thing they see is the color of your skin. So it makes us aggressive. Because we have to put on a face and it makes us very defensive. Because we're never seen for just being a person. We're seen as being a black person. So now we need to start looking at people for what they really are. You're a descendant of some racist folks. I don't care where you come from because they like to tell us that only white people in the South were racist. That's not true. There was racism practiced in the North. We all know that because when black people came from the South to the North, they couldn't move out of here to go live anywhere else. They were lived in Black Bottom. Come on, this happened in Milwaukee. It happened in Chicago. It happened everywhere. That's the history of violence, of racial violence. So when you see people now, you ought to look at them like, you're suspect until proven innocent. I find myself now just really looking at people like, so you are a descendant of some racist people who a hundred years ago, if you could have caught me, you'd have dragged me into a cotton field and beat me within an inch of my life. And then your husband, you would have fun while your husband raped me. That's how I'm looking at people now because the evidence speaks. Just a few weeks ago, we did a show on a black delivery man in Oklahoma who was almost killed by a white man who says he's the president of the homeowners association because the man was black while he was exiting while he was doing his job ahmad aubrey was killed by two white men who felt they had every right to pick out a gun and shoot him while another white man filmed it like it was blood sport y'all and the daughter of one of the killers posted it to her snapchat feed Hello, somebody. The daughter of one of the killers posted it to her Snapchat feed. It just goes from one generation to the other. Is this ever going to end? I don't think so. Even when the minority becomes the majority, it's never going to end. So now it's up to God. God is sitting in his holy temple. And God is calling it. And now God has called it. And he has said, enough is enough. I've sat silent for 400 years and watched you take Africans in my name, conquered lands, conquered people, 
killed people, raped people, for people to walk away thinking that I am not God, that I don't love them because of the color of their skin. Don't we all feel like that? Don't we feel like God, it does not love us because we're black. God doesn't love us because we're brown. God doesn't love us because we're bright. We are yellow and we are red. God only loves white people because they seem to be the only ones who prosper. As you look over the world, you see this evidence everywhere. You go to Africa and people in Africa, 400 years too, as soon as the Europeans left their land, they went to Africa and conquered. They took everything out of Africa. Then they brought Africans to the new world and raped and pillaged for 400 years and run ravage across people in the name of God. And we still thought God was going to sit back. For the rest of time. No, God is just, he just sat back as he has time in his hands. One group of people fade off the earth and another one rise up and another and another. So when the time for vengeance comes and the return of the law of God, guess what? The people who remain, they're, we all, you, you can't escape it. It is what it is. So look at what the scripture says. It says, I am the Lord and there is no other. Did we really think that God was just going to sit back and not do anything about it? Did we really think? Why are you stuttering? Why do you think that it's okay to just sit back and just be? It's those people's fault. It's those people in Detroit. That's man has nothing to do with us. I want my life to continue. I want to get on with my life. I got to go get a haircut. I got to go get my manicure. While the people in minority communities across the country are dropping like flies, black and brown people all over the country. The coronavirus is hitting a particular community in Houston, right next to some major industrial factories. Anywhere air pollution is, that's where it is hitting. Generations. Do you know that a lot of people are stuck because they don't have the autonomy to leave the places where they're going, where they want to get out of? They're stuck because of generational poverty. They don't have the money to just get up and move. So they're stuck there. And they stay in it. And they lose hope. And the only way to make money is to do things that are illegal. Who writes the laws and set up the laws? They can't function within the system because they don't have any recourse. This is why sometimes when, you know, you have to look at prosecutors and you say to yourself, God, I don't want to be in that position because you have to make a judgment right there. I'm not talking about cases where people kill people and rape children. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about somebody goes into a convenience store and robs because they don't have any money. And people go into big box stores and, and take, uh, what do you call those things? Baby diapers and baby formula. Think about the generational poverty. You look at people and you judge them. You look at the color of their skin and you start attributing things to me that don't even belong to my, to my life experience. You start assuming things about me that are not even mine. Those experiences, while they belong to some people who are black, they don't belong to all of us. Put us all in a category and we all swim down the river. I'm telling you all, y'all better be careful out there because if they're now moving coronavirus patients out 
and placing them in nursing homes, that tells you that they have the power that in a short time, if they think too many of us are sick with it, they will lock us off, cordon us off and put us in a reservation and leave you there while they still have figureheads running around saying it's not happening. Y'all better be careful out there. I'm warning y'all, don't fall asleep and think, oh, the governor loves us. The governor is a figurehead. She's part of a system. You saw it. They put pressure on her and she reopened the economy, something she said she was never going to do. But enough Republican pressure was on her. She capitulated to the pressure and reopened the state, much to the chagrin of the rest of us, because they told her it happens to them down in Detroit. It's not happening to us in Midland. It's not happening to us in mid-Michigan. It's not happening to us. It's killing our economy in northern Michigan. The same governor opened it up the state. The same governor you're all saying loves us. No, she doesn't. She's part of a system. And the system is ridiculed and set up in such a way that it's not geared towards yours and my benefit. It's never done that. And it's not going to be for a long time. So don't fall asleep at the switch thinking that it's, it's going to be okay. It's not. Did you see the news that 300 million doses of an experimental vaccine claiming that it can cure the coronavirus was ordered by the government? 300 million doses. I can tell you right now, I am not one of that 300 million because I'm not going to take it. I don't know. A vaccine takes five to seven years to develop and go through many clinical trials to determine its effectiveness. You really think I'm going to open my armor for you to put some experimental vaccine into my body that has side effects that I don't know about? You've got to be kidding. So stay there thinking that people are on your side. And then one day they line you all up and say you have to be vaccinated or you won't go to work. You have to be vaccinated or else you can't, but you can't go to the store. It's coming. Because there's a second wave coming. There's a second wave of the virus coming. We are all out. We're mingling. We're touching. Isn't it interesting that they say if we stayed in, wear a mask, wash our hands more, don't touch your face, the virus would go away. We've done that. People are not dying as much because they're getting treated for it. They have enough ventilators now. But the cases, the case of infection is still going up. You know what they're telling you? They're telling you that it's because more people are being tested. But by golly, if more people are being tested, that means there are more people who have it, huh? We don't think. Do you see what I'm saying? So now we don't even know. Think about that. So now there are more people who are being infected. And as we go through it, there are going to be more cases. And one day they're going to come and say, well, if you want to go back to work, you're going to have to take this vaccine. You know who's going to be the guinea pig? Black people. That's who they're going to do it first. Because when you lack power, you lack money, you lack influence. When you lack influence, you lack power. And when you lack power, they can throw the book at you and do anything. It's time now for us to start petitioning the heavens. And you might say, but Harriet, my ancestors have petitioned the heavens for years. Yes, and it reaped relief, didn't it? 
slavery was abolished, yeah, Jim Crow, and then you could escape to the north and start a different life. So petitioning the heavens works on our behalf. It does. It may not have made the wide scale application that you want, but the fact of the matter is we still got to petition the heavens. If this is the time to petition the heavens because this is the time when God is going to uniquely listen to us because he's tired of the other people. They did things in the name of God. They're in services this morning. And they're telling God, thank you for saving me. And God is like, seriously? That's what you got to say to the people down in Detroit? Seriously? See, then this is why they killed Martin Luther King. Because he spoke the truth. This is why Malcolm X is not here with us. Because they spoke the truth. Because when you have an awareness of these issues and you start speaking truth to power, how are you going to live? Your lifespan is short. Because you are bringing the truth to the people. They want figureheads who go before pulpits and speak all kinds of stuff. And, and you know, most of these preachers today, they get paid by the system to go and say anything. When they want to distribute information, they go to them. They're the leaders. And they tell them, this is what the message is. I want you to tell the people this. And they get paid through their various non-profit activities and for-profit activities. And they take the money and come and sell you out. That's why now you understand why Martin Luther King and everybody else had to die. Because they did not. They said, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to speak truth to power, and I'm going to tell the people the truth. Well, here I am. You all know me. I tell the truth. I don't like it sometimes. I want to be comfortable. I want to wake up one day, and I have the comfort that I used to have. But at the end of the day, I find myself scratching my head like that wasn't... I can't but not tell the truth. And so, my friends, on this Sunday morning, I'm asking, this is not the call to, this is not, oh, it's going to be all right. I can't promise you that it's going to be all right. I can't tell you that there is another wave coming that perhaps is going to be more devastating than the first wave. I can't tell you that, that God is a God of justness. And that God is going to overturn what took place for 400 years. I can't tell you that. On the authority of the name of Jesus. That God is sitting in his holy place. And when people are saying, but I'm praying to God, how did this pandemic happen? I prayed to God, how did this flood happen? I prayed to God and the earthquake happened. I prayed to God and the tornado came. The just shall live by his faith. The tornado came into my life in November 2016. After experiencing so many tornadoes and took everything. I had to walk it out and know that the answer came four months later, that God brought relief. Well, it's the same thing I'm going to tell you. It's going to be, we have a four-month period that we're going to go through that is going to be some shaking. When I tell you that the earth is going to shake, the earth is going to shake with the next wave, and it's going to be something else. And the people right now who are telling that there is a cure and there is a this and there is a that, there will be no more. It's going to make us seem like we don't even know what we're talking about. And we're going to be sad because we didn't listen to the science. The science is the facts. 
the facts are that there was going to be a flood in that area eventually. Everybody ignored it. They didn't even fix the 96-year-old dam. Everybody saw this was going to happen. Those were the facts. If you want to be saved, that was the knowledge that was provided. Just like the knowledge right now is don't engage, don't go out because the virus is still out there. What's going to happen when everybody gets sick this night? What is going to happen? Where's the cure? 300 million doses of an experimental vaccine? Food for thought on this day. I leave you with this thought. As you go to celebrate Memorial Day, as you go to commemorate how important it is that we live in a free land, how important it is that we live in a land of justice. As you go out to ponder on these things, I want you to remember the blood of the people 400 years ago who marched through cane fields and cotton fields all over this country, who were beaten and whose backs were broken in hard work and in the sun and toiled and spat on and beaten and hosed down later. I want you to not forget their cries. I want you to live up to their expectations of you and be better at some of the things that we do, but at the same time, be mindful of the causes of why some of us are in this. I know it's not politically correct because they want you to say, don't look at that, don't look. Some people like to say, don't look to the past, but sometimes that's where the answer lies. And if God is God and has been and will continue to be, then that means he has some of the answers in the past. My name is Harriet Kimmock. This has been Down to Earth. Thank you so much for joining me. Please go to my website, harrietkimmock.com, as well as get my book, Through the Fire. It's available on amazon.com. We're using proceeds from this book to help women who are in domestic violence situations. It's for $14.99. It's on amazon.com. It's been around now for almost 10 years. Please continue to support us by purchasing Through the Fire. It's available on Amazon, BarnesandNoble.com, anywhere books are sold, anywhere in the world you can find these book, this book. As well as continue to listen to my podcast on other platforms. Thank you so much for spending your Sunday morning with me. Happy Memorial Day. Be blessed, everybody. Thank you so much for joining. Be blessed.